Good morning and welcome to On Fire Radio, brought to you by Catskill Mountain Christian Center, a full gospel family church and Christian academy located at 629 Main Street in beautiful Margaretville, New York. What a great day to go to church. If you don't have a church, come on over to Catskill Mountain Christian Center. We would love for you to be our guest this morning. That's Catskill Mountain Christian Center this morning at 10 o'clock. If you'd like more information about On Fire Radio or Catskill Mountain Christian Center, give us a call at 845-586-4848. I'm Renard Bartow, and I'd like to invite you to join us for the next 30 minutes as we bring you On Fire Radio. Now let's go to Pastor Bob Engelhart with today's message. All right, so Thanksgiving Part 2. And the question, the rhetorical question I have here is how did we get here and what can we do about it? Which is kind of where I'd like to go. Because I think we, there's some pieces, puzzle pieces missing in what God would call his ideal uh, abode among his people. And I think we can always grow. I think we can grow you know, forever. I mean, God is that infinite that that our ways are are not nearly as uh, great as His ways. So, this is Psalm 100 again, a psalm of thanksgiving. It says, "Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord He is God." It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and and his truth endures to all generations. That's a psalm that mostly has to do with our attitude mostly has to do with our, our attitude. Once we come to know God and we know of his promises and we know of his presence and we know of his plans for the future, that we should really be uh, obedient to a psalm like this which is basically all of this stuff is, is connected to the will. You know, it's, it's just, it's directly connected to your will. So, so it says, it first starts by saying, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. You know, and that's just, and it's, I guess it's funny to me because I always relate church with sporting events and sporting events or, or um, 
music concerts or rock and roll concerts or something where people literally come off the hook, you know, in, in, in praise and worship, you know, with the music that, that is being played or the basketball team that's your favorite team that's winning or football team. And if, you, if you're a fan of any kind, you know, I mean, I, I've been known to shout. So I just, I have a couple of things written down. I have another thing I want to just share with you before we move forward. The downfall of pure Christian faith, Bible-believing, Bible-practicing Christian faith has happened over a period of more than 100 years, 150 years, I've read one guy who said it's taken 500 years for, for Christians to um, kind of lose their ability to you know, really worship the way the Bible calls us to worship. So the belief in God in a traditional way was actually, now this is something, a word that you hear a lot of today, but I think that the bullying movement started with people who are not believers bullying genuine Christians. I have been bullied in, in my faith. There's a bullying effect that people make fun of you or bully you when they learn that you are a true believing Christian. And because of that, most Christians don't make a joyful shout unto the Lord because they're embarrassed that they're going to be bullied. Does that make sense? So belief in God in a, tradi in a traditional way has been bullied out of the, uh, our grand Narrative. They call it the grand narrative or the meta narrative. What is life all about? What is your grand narrative? What is your grand? What is your meta narrative? What is you, what is your life all about? Why are you here? What are you here to do? What is the purpose? You know, we have potato peeler. You know, you, you, if you know what it's for. You know, I don't use one very much, but. If you know what it's for, you know how you can skin a potato, right? But it's not really useful for much else, you know? So what are we for? You know, what, why have we been made? Why have we been created? What is our purpose? Where do we come from? Where are we going? From God's perspective, not from human, not, not from pop culture's perspective, but from God's perspective. And, and I think that, that Christianity began to lose its grip or its influence over culture in a real way when it was through whatever, academia, the sciences, people who were, you know, hyper-wealthy business people, because they've got, they've got enough money, they don't really need God, and all that kind of thing. They're kind of just bullied out of the way. 
And the rest of the followers just took a step backwards, and they took a step backwards because their preachers took a step backwards. And their preachers couldn't preach a straight, pure gospel without being angry men or, or hostile or, or really represent Jesus as he represents himself in the word of God. You see, that, that's what is kind of different, I think, about the movement that we're a part of, that we do believe the scripture from the beginning to the end, and we know it's our lifelong work to conform ourselves to that scripture. Amen? So the first thing that happened way back in, in the olden days is that traditional uh, biblical faith became, became unpopular. You know, back prior to that, everybody was in the church. Most, most countries actually had a national religion, some form of Christianity or another. Now, here's the, here's the funny thing that I have to tell you, because I think this, this is one of the missed kind of connections. You see, unless you're in a church that models and teaches you how to be married, there's no other resource in the world except for maybe some books in Barnes and Nobles by psychologists or something. It's the church's job to teach you how to be married. Being married is not a natural state of being. You're taking two countries and you're putting two countries together and you're saying live in a, a, a posture of love for the rest of your life and never digress from that posture of love that you're living in for the rest of your life. You know, so as the church doesn't, is not teaching or informing the population surrounding this church building or, or any church building that is preaching the gospel, people can't know how to be married. And I'm saying, when I say it comes, comes from the church, I'm saying it comes from God. How to raise your children, how to be married, all of those kind of things. That's God's department. That's his expertise. So people lose the heart to stay married because they haven't learned that, that love, that love is a act of your will. Love is an act of your will. I will to love. I will to love. And any thought that arises in me, I have to put it down. Any thought that otherwise, that it, I have to put it down. That's an act of obedience. I will to love. See, so you get the splintering from the church. You get the separation from the church. And then you get the separation from spousal, um, you know, uh, promises and things like that. Okay, 
then there's no reason to stay married. Um, split, uh, traditional morality is flushed by weak-minded Paul parts of, of pop culture, leaving onto a confluence of disjointed ideas. You know what a confluence is? Nancy, you have to look up this word for me. said, Nancy, I know this word means when rivers come together and there's places where it's the most dangerous to navigate. When you get big tributaries that come together, they call that a confluence of rivers. We become a walking confluence. You know, we have different agendas that are swimming around. And when we're at church on Sunday, I mean, we are 100% Christian. We are 100% in the deal. We are 100% for it. But it's not Sunday every day. And, and so, there's, so Christianity is rightfully taking a hit. Um, but it's, this is happening through time. Okay? Um, so so we, when you eradicate strong faith in God, I'm not telling you you belong to a church or not. When you eradicate strong faith in God, what happens is you lose your moral footing. You do not have power behind whatever morality you say you believe. There are, you know, we got, you know, rock stars and people who are like rappers and stuff like that. And some of their, their songs are vulgar and um, inappropriate in so many ways. But they'll tell you how much they love Jesus. You know, and, and you're like, that's a confluence. That's two rivers running together, creating this crazy thing that's neither Christian nor completely secular. So what the, what's taken the biggest hit is, first of all, marriage, and second of all, parenting have taken the biggest hit of all. Probably financial self-control is probably up there among the next things. Financial self-control, keeping, keeping ourselves within our budget, believing this is a budget that God has given us to live our lives and, and to keep ourselves within that or do whatever we have to, to to go out and earn more money or whatever we have to do. Marriage was torn down, then family was torn down, and then now we're at the place where every sexual standard Every righteous sexual standard has completely been leveled by our culture. I don't care if it's a, a commercial you watch on the TV. I don't, I don't care if it's, you know, the newspaper you read or, or whatever. Every sexual standard has been broken down. Broadcast commercials now are showing, you know, things that, are, that grieve the heart of God. And we are people who will watch that and say, well, that can't be bad. They make it look like it's so good on TV 
that they had that one night stand or, or you know, whatever it is. And it's, you know, completely forbidden under God's word. You know, are we, are we, we creatures with a sexuality? Yes. But it's God's gift. It's God's gift to a husband and wife at their wedding. God comes to the wedding and he brings with him a gift. And it's righteous sexuality. The ability to love for the rest of your lives. He gives you a secret garden that, that doesn't include you know the, the dirt that we see today. Um, and now we're in that place. That, com- that confluence, who can know? I mean, so many different things are just being torn down. But I'm telling you today, it's time for us to pick them up, begin to walk in them, walk in them first, and talk in them, and learn to talk in it. But you got to learn to walk in it, too. Here's what I was reminded of. There's a song uh, by a guy named Jason Mraz, and it's called A Beautiful Mess. And it's just one of those lyrics that really, really touched something in me. He says, "What what a beautiful mess we are. It's like picking up trash in dresses. He says, what a beautiful mess we are. It's like picking up trash in dresses. And so we learn to look cool. We learn to, you know, act appropriately. But underneath the whole thing is a garbage dump. Is a garbage dump of morality. Ain't I making you happy? I'm telling you, it's, we're done with the garbage dump. We're done with the garbage dump. You know, you clear the garbage out, and then you come dressed in your fine attire to bring it before the Lord. What a beautiful, he says, what a beautiful mess, because there's great beauty in our culture on one hand, the arts and, you know, good deeds that are being done by people and different things like that. There's a great beauty in our culture, but it's not built on a firm foundation. It's like picking up trash in dresses. I don't know if you get that. that hits you the way it hit me. Okay. And I just want to read... This is by a guy named Douglas Murphy. I'm going to be done in time, by the way. He says, we're, we're going through, this is a book called The Madness of the Crowds by Douglas Murray. We're going through a great crowd derangement in public and in private, both online and off. People are behaving in ways that are inc- increasingly irrational, feverish, herd-like, and simply unpleasant. The daily news cycle is filled with consequences, yet while we see the symptoms everywhere, we do not know the causes. Various explanations have been given. These tend to suggest that any and all uh, madnesses 
are the consequence of a presidential election or a referendum, but none of these explanations gets to the root of what is happening. For far beneath these day-to-day -day events are much greater movements and much bigger events. It's time we began to confront the true causes of what's going on. Even the origin of this condition um, is rarely acknowledged. This is a simple fact that we have been living through a period of more than a quarter of a century, last 25 years, in which all our grand narratives have collapsed. Sort of Christianity that undergirded um, Christian culture has kind of collapsed into, you know, cards scattered all over the place, like a house of cards. He says, then over the last century, the secular hopes held out by the political ideologies began to follow in religion's wake. Um, in the latter part of the 20th century, we entered the postmodern era, an era which defined itself and was defined by its suspicion toward all grand narratives. Now you don't, you don't have to be suspicious just of you. You gotta be suspicious of your pastor, you got to be suspicious of the church down the block. You got to be suspicious of your uh, political leader. You got to be suspicious. It creates a people with a very critical spirit. You really don't trust, fully trust anybody. However, as all school children um, learn, eventually, nature abhors a vacuum. That's an old saying that if you take righteous leadership out of the way, something's gonna fill that hole. And that something can be, naturally, ends up typically being bad. Um, as school children learn, nature abhors a vacuum, and into the postmodern vacuum, new ideas creep. And with the intention of providing explanations and meaning of their own, it was inevitable that some pitch would be made for the deserted ground. People in the wealthy Western democracies today could not simply remain the first people in recorded history to have absolutely no explanation for what we're doing here. And no, none of their stories gives life a purpose. You see, your daily conversations, your daily interactions with people, you're, you're, you're talking to people, you're you're in a relationship with people who have no idea what they're doing here. So it's either I'm going to make money or I'm going to have lots of, lots of affairs or I'm going to, you know, be some great sports person or art person or academic person or something like that. We want to be higher than we are. Everyone wants to be higher than they are. And Jesus basically says the highest of all of you should be the servant of all. That's why Jesus gives, Jesus is not easy. This is not easy. He says, he says I want you to take what, what's your int intuition that comes from the God of this world to earn the perks of this life 
to spend your whole life earning the perks of this life only to find yourself old and disappointed because nothing ever really fulfilled. And in Jesus, we end up going out in victory. We live with hard times, sometimes hardship. And, and, you know, it's not so easy. We live in that world where we're being bullied by our whole, um, our whole world. But the truth is that, um, that we win. And in your humility, you serve. And you serve the people who love you, and you serve the people who hate you. And you smile at the people who love you. And you smile at the people who hate you. And you become a friend to the brokenhearted. And you become the good Samaritan to the person who's not of your ethnicity or the person who's not of your uh, social standing or the person who's not of your place in maybe, you know, you're not an old guy, young guy, old guy, you know, all those kind of things that separate us in our culture. You know, finally, just these few scriptures just to bring that together. Matthew 19.26, Jesus looked at them and said, with men this is impossible, this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Mark 9.23, Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So what does this have to do with your knowledge? Does it have to do with the way you look to people? Does it have to do with the way you dress? No, it has to do with what you believe. But there are, there's a lot of there's a lot of evidence out there against my faith. How can I just believe? Jesus said, believe. Jesus said, believe in, in him. The inference is in him. Believe in him and do what he said, and all things are possible for you. Then he said, uh, Mark 14, 36, he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, what, not what I will, but what you will. That's interesting because he prayed a prayer and you think he's Jesus so God would answer all of his prayers because Jesus is perfect. Jesus is God. But Jesus said, Father, I would like for you please to take this cup from me. And, um, and uh, he said, he, there was a caveat there. He said, but if you don't take this cup from me, it's okay. You know? Please take this cup from me. I don't want to go on the cross. I don't want to leave my disciples. I don't want to go on the cross. There's something very, I don't know, there's something filled with vitality living as a human being on this planet. And I don't want to go through the, the shame. I'm going to have to go through the torment, the torture. Nevertheless, not, not what I will, but thy will be done. So my, my, my motto is, Pray for what you want always. But let it be okay if it doesn't come quickly. Because you know what? God was going to raise Jesus out of that grave, eternal, forever. He wasn't going to leave him there. Things are falling apart. 
that every time things fall apart is an opportunity for king, the kingdom, opportunity to, uh, you know, opportunity to be uh, somehow a representative for the kingdom. Hey there, this is Jake Johnson, and I want to thank you today for listening to our podcast, On Fire Radio. We pray that this word has ministered to you today, and maybe today God has shown you your need for Him in your life. John chapter 8, and in verses 31 and 32, Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Jesus makes us free from our sin. If you need to make Jesus first in your life today and be set free, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I repent for my sins today and ask that you would cleanse me with your blood. I place you first in my life and ask that you would give me the power of the Holy Spirit. I walk forward this day in a new relationship with you, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to encourage you to start reading your Bible. You can even download the YouVersion Bible app on your mobile device and start a plan for new believers. Start a prayer life as well and start carving out time in your day to spend time with God. And I want to personally invite you to Catskill Mountain Christian Center. We have service every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at 629 Main Street in Margaretville, New York. Powerful worship, dynamic teaching, and an encouraging time of fellowship. On Fire Radio is a ministry of Catskill Mountain Christian Center and is brought to you free online and on the radio each week because of generous donations from listeners like you. You can partner with us in serving God's vision for this area by donating online at our website, www.cmcconline.org. From there, you can also connect with us on all our social media platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Send us a message and let us know how this ministry is impacting your life. On behalf of Pastor Bob Englehart, this is Jake Johnson signing off. God bless, and we'll see you in church.